Come on, who's ready for the word? Boy, listen, there's nothing more exciting than that last team break before they hit the field ready to kick off the football. You know what I'm saying? We fixing to have the last team break before we hear the word of God today. I love worshiping, spending time in the presence of God. I love fellowship and giving people high fives. But there is nothing like just hearing the declaration of God's word because his truth, when it goes forth, it brings healing, freedom, deliverance, encouragement, and you're in for a treat today. But before we do that, I want to go ahead and say one thing real quick. To all those who are with us for the first time, thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday. If this is your first time with us, listen, come back another Sunday. You may even like it more. You may like it less. But regardless, I guarantee you, there's some people that's walking through the same things you're walking through in life. They'll come alongside you, put their arm around you, and you may even part the arm, you put your arm around them and say, hey, we in this together. Listen, you may be looking for a new church home. I'm not asking you to find a place to sit. I want you to find a people you can do life with. If you would, church family, get, put your hands together for all those here with us first time. Maybe you haven't been here for a while. We, we just want to create a space for people to connect with God and also connect in a healthy relationship with each other. And this, this is a good place. All of our dream team, thank you for serving so well. And some of you, like, if you came last week for the first time, you're like, who is the guy on the platform? My name's Dave, and I don't come to church all the time, um, especially when I'm sick. And last week, we was sick, but our dream team shined so big for Jesus last week. Um, I have this one very special dream team member that, he, he, he's a lot like me, good old country boy, that grew up on a pallet in warehouses while his family planted churches. And one day I had lunch with him, and he said, Dave, I feel called to preach, and I, I just sit at home sometimes just writing sermons. I said, if you just sit at home writing sermons, I don't want to be the only one on that screen. One day I'm going to call you when I'm not feeling good on a Sunday morning. You better be ready. So last week, Logan, at 830, got a text and said, hey, brother, I need you to preach. He said, all right. I hope your expectations are not high, but I'm willing to share the gospel. Logan, thank you for bringing the word last week. Come on, somebody. Our worship team raised the roof, and it's all for him. Now, somebody said amen. It's all for him. There's some churches, they have shiny, sparkling suits straight across the stage like a peacock. Listen, we ain't raising pimps in this house. We're raising pastors. I like the way you're looking at me now. So without further ado, that's my message next week. Because I'm talking about the fivefold ministry out of Ephesians 4. But um, today, we're hearing out of Ephesians 4, made new. And there's nobody better, I think, that can bring this word today. Pastor John, would you please come? You say, why is Pastor John preaching the week after Logan preaching? You back, Dave, you ain't sick. Because today, I was supposed to be in Dallas, Texas with a general. Heather's grandfather's turning 93 years old today. Come on now. You don't know that much about him, but he was in a movie theater at 17 years old, and God began to deal with his heart and drew, drew him near. And he said, Lord, I want to follow you, and I'm answering the call to preach the gospel. He's been preaching for 75 years. He is a general in our family, not because he's pastored thousands of people. It's because he has been remained faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is passing that mantle from one generation to the next. And it's influencing us. Ville Church is here today because of people like that. 
So if you're a little bit older today and you're a little bit more seasoned in life and you're looking in the mirror and you see your, your skin's all hanging off of you and you're a little bit more wrinkled, you got a place in this house. We honor every generation because the church is multicultural, multi-generational, because Jesus paid for it with his own blood. And I don't have the privilege to say it's mine or yours, it's his. So right now, I know that John's going to preach. And he told me not to preach too much. But let me tell you, it's kind of like that old rooster. When he wakes up in the morning, you can't tell him not to crow. Because it's in him. It's in us. Amen. John, would you bring the word today? I bring it. Would you show some honor right here? Thank you, Pastor Dave. You know, it's one of those moments in worship where it's just like, I, I don't even know if I want to preach. It's like, God, what do you want to do? I don't want to get in your way. Uh, but, but I do feel like he's laid a word on my heart. And, and I think it's a word that comes before, because God is bringing revival. We're, we're seeing it. We're seeing it here. We're seeing it at Asbury. We're seeing it in other places. Uh, and, and I believe but God doesn't want us to lose what he's going to do, because he's going to do a work. And so then, then after that revival will come the time that we have to hold on to that work that he's doing. And so I believe this message, if you can kind of tuck it away and, and just have it there to know that, that this, is, this is a process, this is something that's going to be ongoing. I am skipping ahead a little bit in Ephesians. So I'm going to be in, in chapter 4, verse 17 through 32 this morning. Um, Really, I, I don't know about you all, but I've, I've so enjoyed being in Ephesians these last few months. Uh, and our church has never done anything like this where we just, we just sat in a book of the Bible for this long of a period of time. Uh, but I, I really feel like it's, it's changed my life. You, you know, um, and there's some things that I've taken out from Ephesians. And it's, it's not just in Ephesians, it's in the Word of God, but some things that, that I kind of set the backdrop for my message this morning. So, the, the first thing, and I actually preached on this a couple of months ago, uh, that, that we need to kind of have in that background is, is to know who God is, right? I preached on knowing God. Paul actually puts a prayer in there that, you know, that, that God, that you would give them, or that he, he prayed to God that he would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they would know him better. And, and so that's kind of changed the way that I even read the Bible, so now when I open it, I'm not just looking for a good thought or, or for a, a devotion, but I'm opening it and I'm saying, God, reveal yourself to me. Give me that spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better, and, and it has changed my life. And so if you don't take anything away from this message today except for that, except for maybe when you open that word, say, God, reveal yourself. So it, he, he's done a great job, and in Ephesians, we see him revealing himself. Uh, we, we see Christ seated in, and as, as Briston shared earlier, seated in heavenly places, right, far above all authority. You know, we see, we see God the Father in, in so many ways, and, and like I said, I've already preached that message, so I'm not going to spend much time there. The other thing, though, that we see is who we are in him, that it doesn't just say who God is, but, but it lets us know who we are in him. Kind of my favorite one from Ephesians, I think, is when he says, I, I, I chose you and myself before the creation of the world to be adopted. 
So before God even created anything, he chose us in himself to be adopted, to be his. You know, one of my kids asked me one time, and we get this question a lot, right? If God knew what was going to happen, he's all-knowing. If he knew what was going to happen, all the death, all the destruction, all the turmoil that would come into this world, why would he do it? And and I don't have the, the theology to back this one up, but my theory is, is because before he created the world, he saw us. And he knew what, what that relationship could be. He knew what was available. And he said, it's worth it all. It's worth sending my son. It's worth everything that they're going to have to experience so that one day we would be together in, in this perfect relationship. And so, and, and so we read and we know that he's, he's created us to be adopted. And it also says that we're seated with Christ in those heavenly places. So, so I know who he is. I know who I am in him. And then the, there's a third theme that, that I've picked up on, and, and I'm sure if you've been studying Ephesians, and it's this call to unity. It's, it's who we are together in the Spirit of God. And, and I, I think this church has done such an awesome job j- just letting God's Spirit bring that unity. And, and it's a place where, where he can put his presence And how I know that because he gives us some different pictures of what it looks like when we come together in unity. One of them is this picture of the temple. It says that Christ is the chief cornerstone and you're being built together to become this temple where I can put my spirit where his presence would dwell. And so that's us coming together and this unity around Christ. It also talks, and we may hear some next week or in the following weeks, about the body. Right, that we come in together, we all have different gifts, different talents, talents. Somebody's a hand, somebody's a foot, you know, somebody's a hip bone, right? But we all bring it together and we become this body. It says, and Christ is the head of the body, but he's chosen his church to live out his, his fullness, to be the full expression of him. So it, it's not a passive faith that, that we're taking hold of. It's one where God has continued to work in us and through us to express the fullness of who he is to the world. So that's us as unity. And, and the fourth one, the one I'm going to be leaning on today, at first I called it our personal responsibility. I really didn't like that title because it makes it seem like it's on me and it's a lot of work that I'm going to be doing. Uh, so, so instead I'm going to say it's Christ in us. Right? So we know who he is and we, who we are in him and who we are together, but who he is in us. And so that's where we're going to be looking this morning in Ephesians. Uh, I have a big portion of Scripture, so I'm not going to have you stand. I really like what Pastor Dave did that the other week, though. That's old school, and I like old school. Uh, but since it's such a, a long portion, I, I'll let you sit this morning. But if you have your, your Bibles, we should have it on the screen as well. Starting in verse 17, he says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are all full of greed. So, I don't know if you notice kind of what it's saying there, uh, but the first part is Paul saying that, that I insist that you no longer live this way, 
So to me, that, that tells me that there's a danger that I could give in to some of these things. Because he's talking to the church and he's saying, hey, guys, I, I want you to know this, that, that I insist you live this way. And then he goes on to describe it. And he, he kind of, he describes that secular society and it looks a whole lot like it does today. 2,000 years, but not much changed with the spirit of this world that, that would try to corrupt us and bring us away from what God has for us. Continue in verse 20, it says, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So he's reminding them of, of what they were taught and, and who they became when they came in to take partnership with Jesus. And, and when Jesus came into their life, right, he said, he said, that's the world, but that's not who you are. That there's them and their way, and then there's our way. And verse 22 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then he goes on to tell them uh, in the remaining kind of what that looks like. What does it mean to put off the old and put on the new? It says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask God for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. God, we, we've, we've heard from your word, God, and, and I just pray that, that it would pierce our hearts, that you would speak, God. You know what portion we need. You know what we need to hear from you today, and so I just pray that you would go forth, that your anointing would go forth, that it would be upon me as I preach your word today. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to have your way, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, all right, so as you heard, it's about being made new. About being made new. We're putting off the old self, and we're putting on this new self, right? To be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's, there's this picture, right? And it's, it's a picture of salvation, that when we, we put our faith in Jesus uh, we, we have this moment, and it's a moment of transformation, where, where that old self is, is laid down and the new self comes. Paul often describes it as, as a new nature, a new creation, and here a new self. But even Jesus talked about it in the Gospel of John. He says, I'll tell you, unless you're born again of the Spirit, you'll have no part in my kingdom. And so it's this picture, and it's the picture of salvation. But it's not just that I, I declare him and then I go about my life the way it was. I don't wear a Jesus patch 
And so now, I, you know, I have this old corrupted self, but I'm walking around with the patch of Jesus on me. It says, no, that old self is laid down. It's been buried with Christ crucified on the cross, and, and I come up in my new self. You know, baptism is just a wonderful expression of this, right? You know, we kind of have this, this stance that, that baptism is a celebration. Uh, it's a symbolic of what's taking place at salvation. And we have that stance because we, we don't want you to, to, to think because you didn't get wet, you're not saved because we believe the Word teaches that, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus in, is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. But, but I would say if you've not been water baptized, it's such an expression where, where when you go down into the water, it's like I'm laying down that old self, that corrupted self, and I'm leaving it here. And when I come up out of that water, I'm fresh and I'm new, washed in the blood of Jesus, but I've taken on this new self apart from that old creation. So I encourage you, if you've not been water baptized, but you, you, you professed your faith in Jesus, that's your next step, right? It's your next step, and it can be a powerful thing. Like I said, we, we lean on the side, side of celebration and symbolic, but it can be a powerful experience of, of new life. Now, I, I like analogies a little bit, and I know Logan, last week he talked about boxing a little bit. We didn't have, you know, a lot of boxing fans, but how about baseball? Do we got some baseball fans? Okay, some baseball. Well, I'm pretty excited because today is report to spring training day. So tomorrow kicks off spring training. We're officially in baseball season. That means we're not too far from sunshine, baseball, hot dogs, all that good stuff. Right? But, but I thought about it like this. It's about getting on a team, right? If you, if you get your name on the roster, right? You told your friends and family, yeah, I'm on the team. But then they show up to game time, and they're, they're looking around the field, and, and they're like, I know, I know he said he's on the team. They don't see anywhere. Matter, matter of fact, they catch a glimpse of you up in the stands, and you, know, you got one of those bratwurst that's got, like, barbecue and onion rings and, and, and everything on it. But you don't have a jersey on. You don't have your hat on. You, 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 no, no bat in your hand. And it's like, I, I thought you said you was on the team. You said, oh, yeah, I'm on the roster. You know, I'm just waiting for that day, that championship day, when I can roll in and get my trophy, get my reward, because my name's on the roster. I'm like, how terrible would that be? To, to go through life and just say, well, my name's on the roster. I'm on the team. And, and, and to never get a bat in your hands, to never put that jersey on and, and to take the field and say, say, you know what, I didn't get on the team so that I could sit in the stands. I got on the team because there's a place for me on the field. Right? And, and, and I, and I want to caution with this, right, because we're not all going to be major leaguers the first day. There's no expectation that when you take on that new nature that you're going to get up there and you're going to be batting 320 right out of the bat, right? There's going to be a lot of swings and misses, right? There's going to be a lot of times where, where you're swinging at pitches out of the strike zone. But that's okay because we keep practicing. We keep putting on the jersey. We keep taking up the bat, and we say, God, I know you have a place for me. I know you have a purpose for me, and I just want to live that out. I, I want you to live that out with me. 
So that's all for baseball, but I, I had to get that in there today. Let's not be on the roster. Let, let, let's be in the field. That's what, that's what God has for us. He said, I didn't save you to put you on a roster. I saved you to live in you and through you to be an expression of myself. You know, also, often in my notes I have no hypocrites here because that, that's the number one reason I get from people who are not part of a community of a church. They say, well, I've been to church and guess what? It's full of imperfect people, you know? I went there. They weren't perfect. I felt like they were looking down at me because I know I'm not perfect, and so they're hypocrites, and I'm never going back. And, and I want to tell you that none of us are perfect. We're not perfect people. We're not a bunch of really good people trying to be better. We're new creations new selves growing out in our relationship with Christ with one another in community. And, and that's what it's about. And so, yeah, there's no hypocrites here because we're not claiming to have it all together, but we're all in this process together. There's actually an expectation that there will be struggle, right? That's why Paul has to guard them against this. In other places, you know, it talks about the struggle of the spirit and the flesh. Like, like almost there's going to be these desires and this temptation that comes our way. And, and we're going to have to stand firm and we're going to have to walk in it. But like I said, sometimes we're going to fall. Sometimes we're going to mess up. Sometimes we're not going to do it right. Sometimes in that relationship, we're not going to say the right thing. And we're going to go home and make, man, I could have handled that situation better. But, but, but we're developing the type of community, and the, the community that God has called us uh, to be is, is where we can work that out as, as we walk with one another. There's an expectation that we're different from the world. We, we come out of the world to be different, to be separate. Not that we don't no, no longer live in the world, but that we're different than the world lives. We do relationships different. We do forgiveness different. Uh, we, we do love different. So what does that new self look like? Right? I said, Paul goes into this therefore, and he kind of gives them a picture of what that's going to look like when you have on that new self, when you become that new person. And the first thing I would say that it's walking out our lives in righteousness and holiness. Because that's what he says that new self is, Right? He said that new self has actually been created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Not that we're there, not that we're perfect at, the, at that moment, but that's who we, that person is created to be, to walk that out. But when we look at it on the surface, uh, here kind of starting in chapter 25, it, you know, it kind of looks like the law. If you read it, he says, Therefore, you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. It kind of sounds like thou shalt not lie, right? It says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Thou shalt not steal. Right? So, so we see, and, and it's almost like, Paul, I've read Galatians, I've read Romans. I know that you've gone through great lengths to tell us that we're apart from the law and that we're under grace, but yet, yet when I read this, it, on the surface, it surface it sounds like the law you see but that is where the shift comes into place that's where when he says you put on a, a new attitude of the of your mind 
right? It, it, a better translation is actually a new spirit of the mind. And, and so it switches. So it's, it's no longer about doing these things because of the consequences. The consequences have gone away with it, the consequences of sin in our life when we, when we come before Jesus. But, it, but I, I want you to see that there's an action connected to it. It says you don't, not going to lie to your brother because um, we're all members of one body. So I'm going to speak truthfully out of love and out of unity, not because of there's a consequence attached to it. And it's saying don't steal, and it's not because you're going to cut off my hand because the consequences that I'm still under, but it said don't steal because I've redeemed you. I've redeemed those hands, right? Now those hands are going to be used to do something useful to help those in need. And so it's not a spirit of law, but it's a spirit where, where because of this new spirit that he's placed in us, because of this new person, when we walk it out, we're, we're by our new nature going to do things that are in accordance with that. So we walk out our lives in righteousness and holiness we also, we guard our hearts against things that can harm ourselves or others. We see this in, in verse 26 and verse 31. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Paul has a little bit to say about, about anger, and I think it's good reason. But I think the first thing, like I said, I, I, I'm using the NIV today, but in other translations and kind of a more um, exact translation, it actually says, be angry, don't sin. So there's no, God's not condemning us for our emotions or for our feelings. He's actually saying, you know, there, there are some things going on in this world that should make you angry. There's some injustices and some things that you see that, that should stir up some emotions in you. But he said, so feel that, but don't sin. We've got we to figure out a way that we can work this out in relationship, in community, where we're not sinning against one another, but we're walking in the grace that we have uh, for each other and, and for God. I said, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So this is actually a, a separate word of anger, and it, it means more of like an irritability and an indignation, uh, something that, that if, if you let fester, it's going to cause bitterness and wrath. Right, so his warning here is, is don't hold on to it. He says, don't let the sun go down, right? Because he knows that that, that type of thing, that type of, of, of irritation and stuff, if I let it fester, that it's going to produce bitterness. It's going to produce wrath. It's going to lead me to rage and anger and brawling and slander and forms of malice where maybe I have hatred towards others. So he's saying, locate that, those emotions, and take care of it. Don't let it fester. It goes into to don't give the devil a foothold. And it, and it applies here to this anger, but it also, I think, applies to some other things. But even speaking of this, where, where it's put in the context of, of this scripture, it says don't give him a foothold. I mean, don't give him a place or opportunity is what it's saying. 
So through your actions, through, through what you allow to, to let fester, it, it says we can be in danger of actually opening and giving him a place in our life. Well, you know what? I just ain't ready to forgive him yet. You ain't ready to forgive him yet. You're giving him a place. You're giving him space. You know, I'm just going to watch... I'm just going to watch one episode of this, right? I'm just going to scroll just for a little while. I'm just going to give him just a little space. And see, those are the dangers. It doesn't make us not Christians. It doesn't take away our new nature. But if we're not guarded against these things that can harm ourselves and harm others, we're giving space for that foothold to take hold in our life. And you say, well, it's just a foothold. It's just a little space. But the the danger in that is that a foothold can become a stronghold. Now, I'm no longer walking around in freedom. I'm no longer walking around in joy. I've got an irritability. I've got a bitterness that, that, that's crept in that I can't shake free of. And so that's the danger in it. It's not, it's not because we're under the law. It's not because, oh, if you're sin, you're a bad person. It's no, because I love you, because I care about you. And because I don't want you to, to walk and to harness yourself, to have a stronghold in your life that's going to hold you back from what I have for you. Walking out our lives in righteousness and holiness, we guard our hearts against things that can harm ourselves and others. And we're made new in the attitude of our mind. So just to talk a little bit more about what, what does that look like to, to, to be made new in the attitude of our mind. First of all, there's a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Right? Verse, verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All right, Paul, Paul tells us earlier in Ephesians that when you believed, this Holy Spirit was deposited in you, that, that in that moment. And so as we're walking this life out, as we're walking this process out, it says don't grieve that Holy Spirit. We need to be sensitive to his leading and his guidance, that, that God wants, wants to move in us and through us to guide us and, and lead us in all things. And when, when we stop listening to his voice, when we don't heed his correction, because right, the Holy Spirit's a person, and, and he does want to walk with us and, and guide us. But the, there's things that we can allow in our life or, or, or kind of when we shut him off and we shut off his leading, that it can actually begin to, begin to grieve him, right, because he has a purpose for us. He wants to live out his fullness through it, and, and when, we, when we start to hamper his work, it actually grieves the, the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So it's this daily walking that I've, I've got to be attentive to, to what He's guiding me to do, where He's leading me, that I, as I take a step, I want to know, God, is this your will? Am I, am I walking with you? Am I hearing your voice? God, are the things that you're, you're guarding me against that I need to be able to hear and not walk into, God, because what you have for me is better than, than what I may experience. There's a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. There's also a change in our temperament. It's not, a, not an overnight thing, 
but it, it's a process that we should be engaged in as we, we take on this attitude of the mind. It's letting go of pride and walking in humility. Most, when you think about most of our sins of anger, like, if I have no pride, how do I get bitter? Right? If I have no thought of myself and what should be and, and what, what was rightfully mine and what should have happened for me, if I remove that, then it removes anger and bitterness in so many areas. If I say, God, because of what you did for me, I'm going to humble myself in this relationship. And God, it, it may look to the world like I'm being weak or like I'm being stepped on, but God, I'm just choosing to humble myself under your spirit with the life that you've given me and the spirit that you've given me to walk out. We respond differently than the world does. Let's see if i got time to share this one. i, I got time. <laughs> Just a little bit of time. But I'm teaching some of this stuff. So uh, I teach anger management at, at the counseling place, matter of fact. Right? And so I teach some of this stuff, and people have a hard time uh, of letting it go. Right, I, I talked to, I told him a story about me actually getting offended, but I processed that emotion and I figured out, you know what, there's nothing that needs to be reconciled here. At the end of the day, I just kind of got my feelings hurt, but everything's okay, there's nothing I need to walk out, so I just chose to lay that down, to say, God, would you take this from me because, you know, I don't want to hold on to any bitterness, I don't want to hold on to any resentment, and, and God took it from me. But this guy, he jumped out of his seat almost, you know. He, in anger management class, he's like, what are you talking about? Like, you let somebody do that to you, man. Next time, let me tell you, they're going to do it again. And they're going to do it again. You let them have an inch, they're going to take a mile. As I was studying this, uh, I thought, you know what? You're right. And maybe they'll hit me on this side of my cheek. I'm going to have to give them this one. Maybe they may sue me and take my cloak, but you know what? I'll go ahead and give them my tunic as well. Maybe they might even force me to go one mile with them, but I'm going to go a second mile. See, to the world, that doesn't make sense. To the world, that's different. But when we put on this new spirit of mind, it says we're different from what the world does. We're not going to respond the same way. We, we, we're not, and it's not because we don't care, but it's because it's, it's who we live to please. I live to please God, not people. Now, the outworking of God's love in my life you know, it's probably going to make me a good person with people, but there's going to be times when I make decisions that it's not going to be based off of, uh, of pleasing people, but it's what would please my Father in heaven. Romans 12, 3. is just another scripture that, that Paul used, I think, that encapsulates this because it is, it is a process. It's not something that happens in a moment. But, but Romans 12, 3, do you guys have a, yeah, there you got it. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So he said, it's kind of that same language, right? I'm not going to conform to what they think 
and how the world thinks and how they, their desires are and, and how they think you should get justice and how you should, you should not be wronged and you should make sure that, that you get back whatever, whatever you deserve. It's like, no, I'm going to transform this thing. I'm going to renew this thing. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit just to come in and to have his way today. I'm going to lay down what I need to lay down. And the, the final thing, and, and, and worship team, or if you'd like to prepare to come or, or go ahead and come. And it's, it's related to that pride and humility thing because it's, it's outward focused, not self-focused. So when I begin to realize that, that God has called me into a community, that he's called me to be a part of something bigger than myself, and I stop focusing so much on myself and my needs, and, and, and God, what's my part? And, and God, what do you have for me? And, and how can I get in there and get my peace? And I start to be outward focused and say, God, how can you use me in their life? You know, it's like I, I was thinking about this this morning, that and the, the times in prayer when I sense the presence of God the most is, is when I'm crying out on the behalf of others. When, when it's not about me, but, but I'm asking God, God, just move in their life. God, protect them. God, watch over them. God, that you would, you would draw them back to relationship with you, that you would strengthen them, Lord God. That, that, those are the moments where I just like, I, I feel like his spirit is just with me, and he's like, yeah, now you're talking my language. You're talking about others. You're talking about those that you're in community with. I mean, really, it goes back to Jesus. If you, you didn't get my, sorry, my message earlier, right, the turn the other cheek, like all that's from the Sermon on the Mount. All of it is Jesus' teaching, which Paul points them to in the beginning when he says, you came to know Christ, right? And so that spirit that Jesus is teaching, when we put on the new self, we actually put that spirit on. That, that it's not rules that I hear that I got to try to abide by, but it's I'm taking on his presence and I'm, and I'm walking that out. Say, so how can you do that? I can do that with, with the way that Paul concludes in verse 32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. That's what we're talking about, right? Instead of anger, instead of wrath, instead of me getting what I deserve is, is you know what, I'm going to be kind and compassionate. I'm going to forgive you. When you have an offense and you come to me, I'm going to provide forgiveness. Again, what did Jesus say? If you, come, if you come to the altar and you realize my brother has something against me, say, go ahead and leave your gift at the altar and first go be reconciled to your brother. That we're going to be that community. We are that community where we're going to be kind and compassionate to one another. We're going to forgive one another. And here's why. Says because just as in Christ God forgave you. Because I know what I was. I know what I've done. I know the things that, that God could have held against me and said, how dare you? I gave you my spirit. I gave you my presence. You allowed strongholds in your life. You allowed things to come between your relationship with me. You cut off my voice. You grieved my Holy Spirit. But I didn't hear that from him. I heard, welcome home, son. I've got a robe for you. I've got a ring for your finger. I've got sandals for your feet. We're about to 
We're about to butcher the fattened calf because you're home. Because of what he's done for us, that's how we can live this out. As I conclude, just what's this look like practically? Practically, it looks like being vulnerable in a community with other believers. Whether it's here on a Sunday morning and it's our altar team that you need to come share it with. This is why we do the small groups, guys. It's not so that we can we, we can have functions and we can say, hey, hey, look at these great opportunities. It's about this community that we can find a place of vulnerability with one another, where we can pray for one another, where we can encourage one another. James 5, 16, I know they don't have the scripture. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. We're actually going to tell people what we're struggling with, what we're doing wrong, how, how, we've, how we've fell short. That's exactly what we're going to do. And then there's a prayer of time, a prayer of repentance, a prayer, a prayer of deliverance, that if, if you've allowed things in your life and you said, you know, I know I have this new nature, but there, there's some things I picked up along the way. And you can come, you can lay those down. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe somebody in your small group, somebody in your community. But, but get to a place where, where you can have these folks that you can speak to and they can speak into your life and you can pray for one another. Then finally, there's water baptism. I talked about it earlier, if that's your next step. Or maybe it's spirit baptism. And that's just the spirit that God's given inside of us. We believe and we see throughout the book of Acts that, that God says, I'll pour out my spirit. And, and that there's this welling up and what was hard before is now just a little bit easier. It's like that, that's energized inside of me, that new spirit and that new mind, you know, is it, just, just pumped up and ready to go. And God has that for you. All you have to do is ask. So I just want to ask now if you, you mind bow your heads and close your eyes with, with nobody looking around for just a minute because I want to give you an opportunity to respond to those that, and maybe this is your first time hearing what Jesus did and what is available for you that, that maybe you thought well I just thought it was about putting my name on the roster well it'll be there too it'll be in a book and he'll open it one day and if your name's written there he's going to say come on in and that is just through faith in Christ. But he came, he lived a sinless life so that we, we could put our faith in him and believe that he died upon a cross and was rose from the dead and that, that this is what's available, that if we ask him, he puts his spirit in us and he gives us a new nature, a new self. If you're here this morning, you say, I've never made that confession or, or or maybe I did, but I'm far from Christ. And I, I want to make that confession of faith this morning. But just raise your hand. Just say, that's me. That's me this morning. Is I, I want that new life that you're talking about. I want that new nature that you're talking about. We're going to pray together, and, and that's going to be an opportunity. And just believe that in that moment, when you pray that prayer, that God's going to come in, and he's going to give you a new nature. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your, what you've made available. God, I confess my sin. 
and I turn from my ways. I lay down that self of corruption and I take on my new self in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give, give it up? Put our hands together for those who made that decision of faith today.